That's grace to your church, and we are beginning a sermon when it's actually time to be finishing. And it's been a blessing to be together in all these things that have proceeded, and we give God thanks. And so I'm going to invite you to bring the book to Galatians 4 and only give you a part of the sermon. But we'll be looking at Galatians 4, and we're going to hone in on one verse. Bring the book to Galatians 4 and notice one of Paul's concerns here is verse 19. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Paul labors that Christ would be formed in these people. Let's ask God for help. God, we come with thanksgiving. You have been our help and you have done works in our lives. And we thank you for the songs, the prayers, reading out of your word, Acts chapter 2, the offering, the testimonies. It has been good to be your people. It has been good to call on your name. Now we pray that you would do good to us out of your word. And it's in Jesus. Amen. So we have prayer meeting here every Wednesday night. And what we do is pretty typical of any church. Thousands of churches do basically what we do in our prayer meetings. And whenever you go to a prayer meeting, whether it's here or anywhere else, there are lots of requests for sick people. It's one of the dominant themes to pray for such and such, to pray for so and so. They're going to the doctor, they're having surgery, this happened, that happened. And so we're constantly praying for sick people to get well. And then another dominant request is for our lost loved ones. Even here, we are constantly praying for people to come to the knowledge of the truth. We want people to get well and we want people to get saved. And so those are the two dominant things, the sickness of the body and the salvation of souls. But actually, if you think about the prayers, rarely do people request prayer for sanctification. That people would get well again, that people would get saved, but not so much that people would be sanctified. And yet, when you go to John 17, 17, what is Jesus praying for? Sanctify them by your truth. Jesus was praying. That well-known verse, John 17, 17, sanctify them is a prayer of Jesus. It's a prayer for all of us. And so Jesus is leading the way that we would pray for spiritual growth, that we would pray for sanctification, because after all, When we get saved, there's spiritual life, and spiritual life always brings spiritual living. Not perfect, but spiritual life, when it happens, it brings spiritual living. And sanctification is the process of spiritual living in us. And really, the key idea when it comes the key idea when it comes to sanctification is holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Sanctification is all about 
our holiness. And the question then is, what does holiness look like? And a lot of people would tend to think that holiness looks like verse 10, that holiness looks like rituals and performances. Our sister just mentioned the one denomination, all these rules and regulations. And so the typical Joe out there would say holiness is when you do the rules and regulations and all the rituals and ceremonies like in verse 10. That you put ashes on your forehead and you celebrate all the holidays right now and you fast during Lent and you go to church and you volunteer and you say your prayers and you do, 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 do. That's holiness to so many people. But actually, when you look in verse 19, you see what holiness truly is. Holiness is that Christ is formed in you. That's holiness. It's right there. That sanctification, when it happens, it has to do with Christ being formed in us. Now, brothers and sisters, is that your concern? I know that we have lots of concerns, especially in our society, especially in our world. But if you think about it, Is verse 19 your concern? That Christ would be formed in you. That Christ would be formed in the people that live with you. That Christ would be formed in the people that share the pews in this room. Is that really your concern? And we usually pray about our concerns, whatever's on our mind, ushers out in our prayers. And so, is verse 19 a concern? And are we praying for our family and friends? And are we praying for the people in this room on such a special day, on a church day like this, four new members? Are we praying for the people in this room to be formed into the image of Christ? Does that ever show up in your prayers? Now, when you look at verse 19, what image does Paul use? What example is Paul using there? And you notice in verse 19, he's not talking about a warrior. He's not talking about a farmer. But notice the words there in verse 19. He brings up children and labor and birth and formation. What does that sound like? When you look at those words, it sounds like a mother and particularly What kind of mother is he talking about? He's talking about a pregnant mother. He refers to children, labor, birth, formation. And so he has the idea of an expecting mother. Now, the concern concern of a pregnant mother is to have a healthy baby form inside of her. That's the concern of every mother. My sister-in-law right now is in her eighth month of pregnancy, and she's been having a lot of troubles. And our concerns and our prayers is that she would have a healthy baby form inside of her. And that's always the case when somebody's pregnant. Well, in the same way, Paul's concern here is to have Christ formed in these people of Galatia, to have Christ formed. Just like a mother wants a baby formed inside of her, so Paul wants Christ formed inside of these people. And so we have elders and deacons in this room. Okay, here's our concern, elders and deacons, that Christ would be formed inside of these people. But for this whole church, 
and on a day where four new members come in, our concern together ought to be that Christ would be formed in the people that are in this room. Just think about how you would want a baby to form inside of a mother, so we want Christ to form inside of every member. That's Paul's concern here. Now, at the beginning of pregnancy, there is an unformed humanity, right? At the beginning of pregnancy, from the very first moments, and for the first several weeks, and really all the way through, there's this unformed humanity. And what happens over the process of the weeks, and the trimesters, and the months, from zero to nine months, what is happening? You have this unformed humanity go into a formed baby. The eyes, the brain, the heartbeat, the hands. It goes from unformed humanity to a formed baby. And Paul is saying here, when these people got saved, there was unformed Christianity. When a person gets saved, there's an unformed Christian. And his desire here, his concern, is that we go from unformed Christians to having the form of Christ. What is Christian development? It is the image of Christ. And so from unformed Christian to a formed Christian who takes on the form of Christ. Now we're often in a hurry. Maybe even as you look at your watch right now. But we're often in a hurry. And you know that, and I can be that way, and you can be that way. But if you think about pregnancy, if you think about child development, you cannot be in a hurry. Something goes fatally wrong if you're in a hurry when it comes to child development. Child development is a long process. It is not a quick thing. It takes nine months. And when the baby is born, it takes 18 more years. So that really from zero to mature adulthood, two decades. It's a long process. And likewise, as we go from unformed Christians to formed into the image of Christ, where Christ is formed in us, that is not going to be a quick fix. That is not going to be a quick occurrence. Brothers and sisters, we're in a hurry. But what is Christian development? What is the formation of Christ? It happens over a long time. It happens every day for years and years in your Christianity, going from unformed Christian to Christ being formed in you. It's a process. God is purposely teaching us patience in all the labors and all the struggles that we have with ourselves. How far we fall short and God is teaching dependence and patience that it is a process to form Christ in us. Now we like to take it easy. We like to be comfortable, right? And I get it. And if you want a day to take it easy, the Lord's day is a day of rest. But years ago, I came across a 
good little book called Do Hard Things, and I've given it out to other people. I've given it out to some of the young men in this room. I think Aaron and David have all received that. I have it up on my shelf. I think my son Luke has read it. It's called Do Hard Things. Of course, going to school, going to work, when you do it properly, is a hard thing. And having trials is a hard thing. We know what it's like. Being sick is a hard thing. Ministry is a hard thing. Feeding hands, preparing lunches, all the in-the-trench stuff that nobody sees, it's hard. But one of the hardest things in this world I've never done, one of the hardest things in this world takes nine months to do, one of the hardest things in this world some of you ladies have done, it's to have a baby. That's a hard thing. And I kind of get it because I've seen it three times with my wife, but unless you're a mother caring, you really don't have an idea what it's like. It's hard to have a baby form inside of you. That's why we call it labor. That's why we refer to birth pangs. Because it's hard. And in verse 19, Paul is talking about a hard, long part process. He even uses the word labor. For Christ to be formed in us, it's going to be long, it's going to be hard, and it's going to involve God's labor, and it's going to, be, it's going to involve the labor of you and I to form Christ in each other. Paul was laboring for this to happen in Galatia, and we must labor by the grace of God for Christ to be formed in one another. Why is it going to be so long, so hard? Why do we have to labor for Christ to be formed? Because you and I are so not like Christ. Are you naturally like Jesus? That's going to be a long, hard labor to get there. To go from unformed Christian to Christ being formed in us. Because quite frankly, brothers and sisters, I have a lot of the form of George inside of me. My wife, my children, my mom and dad, they know the George form, the form of George. And Alex has the form of Alex, and Roman has the form of Roman, and Frank has the the form of Frank, and we all have our own forms. How am I going to go from the form of George to the form of Christ? It's going to be a long, hard labor. And so Paul is referring to the experiences of pregnancy to bring this church along. Now, in seminaries, in churches, they talk about spiritual formation. That's kind of a cool word amongst Christians. They talk about spiritual formation, and that's okay. That's a good word. But but spiritual formation is not verse 10. It's not rituals and performances and rules and regulations. That's not spiritual formation to come and give an offering and to put ashes on your forehead and to celebrate Holy Week and all of these things. That's not necessarily what spiritual formation is all about. Spiritual formation is when Christ takes shape in you. 
There are a lot of people in the world that can talk about spiritual formation, but true and lasting and biblical formation is Christ taking shape in us. And it seems like part of the imagery when he uses that word morph, when he uses that word form or shape, it seems like part of the imagery here is imagine a lump of clay. And you get this block of clay, and what do you have to do? You have to work it. You have to massage it and squeeze it and turn it, and you have to just really sink into it and stretch it apart and then smash it back together. That's what you do with a lump of clay. That's how you form clay, by pressing and squeezing and turning. Now, for Christ to be formed in you, what does God have to do? He is the potter, you are the clay, and he is going to press and squeeze. And that, that pressing and squeezing is often going to hurt, right? To get you from unformed Christianity, as far as you and I are from Christ, to get you to have the form of Christ is going to take the potter really pressing and squeezing that form of Christ inside of us. That pressing and squeezing really does hurt. And so let me give you a partial answer, and I don't want to make it overly simplistic, and I don't want to be glib about it. This is all hard, and none of us like to suffer. We don't like to be pressed and squeezed. But brothers and sisters, the reason for your trials in your life, think about them. Part of the reason is that God intends to squeeze and press through those situations, to form Christ in you. And it takes pressing and squeezing to get Christ in you. Are you suffering? Are you sick? Do you have struggles? Relationships? All of those things are heartaches. Well, that's the potter squeezing and shaping. And when it's all said and done, he's going to use every last one of those things. He's going to work it together for good so that you conform to the image of Christ through those things. He is forming Christ in the squeezing of your trials. Now, you can imagine a block of clay and you take a stamp and you press that stamp into that block of clay, and you push it there, and you hold it, and when you pull away, you have the image, you have the form of your stamp in that clay. Well, God, in all of your life, he's been doing it now for decades for me. These people that have been saved and are brought into our church, all of you that have been saved, God right now is taking the stamp of the Lord Jesus, and he is pressing it onto you. And one day, when you meet him in the resurrection, on the day of redemption, when Christ returns, when God pulls that stamp away, guess what? Christ will be formed in you. God means it that way. So that every day of my life, and then ultimately, when I stand before God, there will be nothing left to see but Jesus Christ in me. And that's what Paul is saying in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so a few thoughts as we would close. 
What's the test of our Christianity? The test of our Christianity, it's so easy to go this route, but the test of our Christianity is not how much knowledge you have. The test of our Christianity is not how many rules and regulations and rituals and days and years and months and seasons, verse 10. It's not about all the performances that we do. Our Christianity is not found in ceremonies and rituals. And it's not in all the ministries. It's not in all the volunteer work that we do. Our Christianity, the test of our Christianity, is not in the stuff that we do inside of these walls. The test of our Christianity is that Christ is being formed in us. And we are growing to be like him. And so our concern, especially on a day like this, Our concern is not just budgets. It's easy to get wrapped up in budgets. And it's not just lunches. And it's not just facilities. And it's not just maintenance and projects. And our concern is not just outreach and music. Our concern is not just having visitors here and people getting saved and baptized and added to our church. All of these things are good and necessary. But brothers and sisters, when we look at verse 19, our concern is for Christ to be formed in this place, for Christ to be formed in one another. We tend to think on people getting saved. That tends to be the emphasis, and we get it, and rightfully so. But what happens after they're saved? The whole point of being saved is so that Christ can be formed in you. No, wouldn't it be great in Papua New Guinea? As we pray, oh Lord, build your name there. Lord, build your testimony in Mocha. Lord, build your church there. Oh, Lord, save people, regenerate people, bring them from death to life. And, oh, Lord, form your son in those people that are so different than him. You know what God wants to see on every mission field? It's the form of Christ in people. So the very last thing, there's a book called My Heart, Christ's Home. My Heart, Christ's Home, where the imagery there is that Christ comes to my life, he comes to the house of my heart, and he walks around my life. My Heart, Christ's Home. And he goes into the study of my house where I think, and Christ wants to change the way I think, And how I think. He goes into the study and he wants to form how I think. And he goes from the study to the dining room where all of my appetites are. All of the things that satisfy me are in the dining room. And when he goes to the dining room, he wants to reform my appetites and the things that I delight in. And he goes from the dining room to the living room where I have all of my company, where I have my relationships. And Christ wants to come into the living room where I have relationships and he wants to reform my relationships. How our marriages would be different if we had the form of Christ in us. You want to know the, ma- the problem of your marriage, the problem with your kids, the problem in this world? It's the lack of the form of Christ. But Christ wants to come into the living room of our relationships and form something there. 
And then he goes into the family room of our lives where we have recreation and leisure and pleasure. He comes into the family room and he wants to reform and change the kind of things that I take leisure in. And then, as he's in the house of my life, he begins to sniff and smell something. Something that nobody else can smell, but the Lord does. And he goes to a secret hide, he goes to a secret closet, and in the back of the secret closet, he finds all kinds of hidden things that nobody else knows about, nobody else can smell, but he does. He goes into the closet of our lives, and there, even though he's the only one that knows about it, there he wants to bring change. And really, the sum total of verse 19 is this. Jesus Christ doesn't want you to be the host of him. He doesn't want you to be the host, and he's just a visitor in your life. He wants to be the master of your life, and you become his servant. That's what it is to be formed into Christ. God bless this gift to us through Jesus Christ.